the Agile brand. Welcome to the B2B Agility Podcast, where we look at the factors that drive success in B2B marketing, with a focus on the people, processes, data, and platforms that make B2B brands stand out and thrive in a competitive marketplace. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advising Fortune 1000 brands on MarTech, marketing operations, and CX, best-selling author and speaker. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that my latest book, Priority is Action, Seven Principles for Better Strategies, Decisions, and Outcomes is now available. In it, I give ideas and insights for leaders and teams that need to make meaningful progress on their priorities. After all, our priorities are what we do, not what we say we'd like to do. You can find Priority is Action on Amazon or learn more on my website, gregkillstrom.com. Now let's get on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about maintaining agility in teams and the AI maturity that leaders in the B2B enterprise space should be striving to achieve in the months ahead. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Tommy Marsans, Associate Director, Marketing Technology Strategy at Verizon Business Group. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself as well as your role at Verizon Business Group and maybe just a, a quick overview. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Verizon, but just a little overview of what Verizon Business Group does. Sure. So um, I'll start with the last one first. Verizon Business Group brings connectivity, both wireless and wired network services to companies, medium, small large global enterprise really across the spectrum. So above the above the network as well, there's services, there's mech on the edge, there's 5G solutions, there's a lot of offerings, basically keeping companies connected um, to their customers and to each other. I have been working in marketing operations, marketing and digital services for about 30 years now. So I've seen the evolution of different marketing technologies from Excel spreadsheets all the way through AI and generative AI most recently. What I do today for Verizon Business Group is I lead the marketing next best action team. And that's kind of a, a fancy way of saying that we leverage AI and machine learning to drive better customer experience by understanding and tailoring customer experience to a one-to-one -one kind of experience with them. Great, great. Well, um, let's get started here. And so the first topic I wanted to talk with you about is uh, based on a recent LinkedIn post that you made talking about teamwork and, and leadership. You hit on a few really interesting and salient points there and wanted to discuss a little more about these. So for instance, you wrote that team building isn't just about camaraderie, it's about harnessing our collective potential to achieve remarkable results. So in your experience, uh, what does it take to get teams beyond that camaraderie and, and to start really working with each other to create work that does get those remarkable results? So um, two things I think are really important. There's a common goal. So you have to agree on where you're going. Um, it's like any other kind of relationship. You kind of have to over-communicate around what, what your final goal is. What is it that you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? And how do you want to get there? And then secondly is trust. And again, same as any other relationship. Once you build trust, you can kind of let go and you don't have to worry so much about the details. You can trust your fellow coworkers and other people on the team to kind of have your back. And 
I, I think that creates a level of not just camaraderie, not just superior results, but also just a, a happier team. It's just more enjoyable to work with people that you trust and know and have a common vision with. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what should leaders be doing to foster that, those kinds of results? So in order to really gain trust of people um, and to kind of get everybody on the same page, you got to be authentic. You really have to be you, even if you think that you isn't somebody that would be corporate enough, say, you got to bring all of it, even if, even if you think it's, you know, off, off the mark a little bit. So I, people can read authenticity. They know whether or not you're giving them a company line or whether or not it's really speaking from the heart. And I think that authenticity comes with a little bit of vulnerability too. telling your own story, making sure people see you as human and connecting on that human level. So I think, I think as a leader, being authentic and being authentically supportive of people on your team, listening to them, active listening is huge. And, you know, it's been around for a while as an emotional quotient kind of thing, but having, having the team be seen and listening to them and respecting them, respecting their point of view and what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, uh, we both work uh, quite a bit in, in marketing technology and there's the people process platforms phrase that's often used a lot. And, you know, while a lot of people often think that the focus needs to be on platforms because it's technically complex and, and all that, it's it's really kind of the first two that can often make or break, you know, in the case of successful teams that, that kind of get past some of those things that you just talked about, um, it can really make a successful team. But, you know, process and operational structure as well, you know, can have a big impact, again, either way on the success of, of transformation initiatives. How do you keep teams focused on the right things from that process standpoint to get more successful outcomes? So we're not quite in, in the Skynet days yet. So <laughs> AI really hasn't taken over. So but there, people in process really are being enhanced by AI, really are being enhanced by the technology. And so it is an assist and not the thing. And so if you really focus on what makes people's jobs easier, focus on how to make processes more efficient. And the, the way I've found to do that is to a, ask, you know, what keeps you up at night? And then secondly, really to look at the process and see where the bottlenecks are. What are the things that take a lot of time that really shouldn't, that could be automated? And so you automate those little pieces that, that may not seem like a big deal, but to the person who has to go through that process, it becomes kind of a big deal or at least an irritant. And so focusing on the people and the process and on their experience, whether it's the customer, whether it's the salesperson, whether it's other employees, whether it's um, a customer service rep, whether it's a rep in the store, focus on the person who is customer facing, make their job easier, and it makes everything else better. Yeah. Well, and I also think with, you know, there's certainly a bit of maybe anxiety around, you know, what is that, what exactly is going to be the, the AI role? I mean, you know, you mentioned the, the Terminator example of, you know, <laughs> right. we're, we're not, not quite there where, you know, the machines are running everything, um, at least give me a decade or so. But, you know, there is some anxiety about, you know, is AI going to take my job or is AI going to take 
parts of my job or, or whatever. But you know, the way the way you kind of lay it out there is as AI as augmentation, it, to me, from an optimistic standpoint, it's, it's really AI doing the things that humans aren't really as good at or like to do anyway. Is that, is that kind of how you see it? That's exactly how I see it. It's the part of the day that you don't really want to do. I mean, a hundred years ago, we had to do manual labor. We don't have to do that anymore because we've automated it. And it doesn't feel like we've lost anything in the process, right? right. Something very similar um, is happening in this kind of knowledge revolution or technology revolution. It is not that we'll lose parts that we enjoy. It's we're going to lose the parts we don't enjoy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, switching gears a little bit, uh, you know, name of this podcast is B2B Agility. So I wanted to talk a little bit, focus on that, that last word there, talk a little bit about how you think about agility and you and your team's work. So regardless of you know, formal approaches, you know, whether scrum safe, scrum ban, combat, you know, whatever the, the, the process or methodology or whatever is, is used. How do you look for, how do you look at the need for agility in the enterprise and what do you do to enable it as much as possible? So agility to me means being able to react to either the marketplace or the customer. And so I think it's a critical component for companies these days to be agile and not in the sense of, like you said, scrum safe, not that kind of agile, but to really be flexible and quick to respond to customers' need. In, in this age where we are getting assist from AI, where we are advancing in technology, it's almost expected now that you will be understood by any company that you work with or um, encounter. And that level of expectation of, you know who I am and you know what I want, is now almost ubiquitous. So uh, if, if a company is not agile, if they're not able to respond quickly to a customer's needs or the changing marketplace, they will very quickly lose out. I mean, I, I would say, you know, Zoom is a great example of that. We were not using Zoom when we first entered the pandemic and, you know, other companies that, you know, were in that space lost out because Zoom was able to adapt very, very quickly. And so it's that agility, that ability to adapt that I think becomes a critical factor. It's now a dif differentiator. I think shortly and very soon it won't, will no longer be a, di a differentiator. I think it'll be a foundational piece. If you're like me, it's hard to keep up with all the trends, fads, and critical concepts that marketing and CX leaders need to know about. To help, I've partnered with some of the world's most notable thought leaders to create the Agile Brand Guides book series. These are short reads, three hours or less, on important topics like generative AI, customer data platforms, MarTech infrastructure evaluation, customer journey orchestration, Agile marketing, and more. They're available in print, digital, and audio formats and quickly get you up to speed on critical topics for marketing and CX leaders and aspiring leaders to understand. Search for Agile Brand Guides on Amazon or go to the Agile Brand Guide website at www.agilebrandguide.com. That's agilebrandguide.com for more. Before we get back to the show, I just wanted to remind you to hit the follow or subscribe button on your app to make sure you get notified when new episodes of the show are available. Now let's get back to the show. 
And so, you know, one of, one of the key things of agility that, that you just touched on is, you know, it's not enough to simply see what happened and be able to analyze it quickly. You have to do something with it, right? So there has to be that that feedback loop to um, to be able to to respond and, and react. But also, there's also a need to, you know, incorporate brand new ideas that, you know, things that haven't been tested yet. And, and so, you know, one of the things I see with a lot of AI and machine learning is there definitely is in a good way, a, an increased focus on this kind of continuous learning and, and, and optimization, but how do you balance the two, these two ideas of, you know, one is learning from what's already happened and two is encouraging net new ideas. And again, things that may not be wholly successful, but still, uh, you know, get you closer to the right answer. So, you know, how do how do you, how would you coach someone on finding the right balance between those two, those two things? Well, I would say that you don't know what you don't know. So you know, what's happened in the past. And in some cases you can do regressive modeling to predict a little bit of what's going to happen in the future. But the way that we use AI is we use it not just to kind of predict what's happening real time, but also to test very quickly and measure very precisely any lift that might come from one variable change or another variable change. So if I would encourage people to test, test small measurable things and to scenario it out. So if it, it used to be that we would just, you know, put mailers in, in the postal stream and we would wait three weeks to see if anything happened. And right. that's not really what we can, we can't even do that anymore with email. We've really got to be able to take small segments, test one thing against another, and then quickly enable the winner of that test. So I would say, you know, we were talking about agility be before, the ability to be agile with your testing as well to, and I know it's a cliche, but to fail fast. And we're no longer failing fast in weeks or days. We're failing fast now in seconds. And that's what AI and machine learning really unlocks for us, the ability to do that very quickly. Yeah. And, and to do that in the enterprise, which I think, you know, stereotypically, you know, mo moves a little slower than a, than a startup. So, I, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a, a huge win for, for enterprise organizations, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think AI is an approach. It's not necessarily a particular platform. It's an approach that platforms use and you can train it on anything. So if you train it on, um, testing processes. You can do that. You can train it to test on particular outcomes. If you want somebody to buy something, if you want them to go somewhere, if you want them to follow a particular happy path, all of those things, but it's really what you train it on. And so that's also a big key element. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, last thing I wanted to talk about here, um, you know, here we are, the end of end of January here, so we can. I think we can still safely um, do a, do a little recap of <laughs> of last year. I, maybe the cutoff is February one, but this this episode's airing on, on the thirtieth, so we're we're still good. I don't know if we can still say Happy New Year, but we're. I think we're still good to talk about last year. So you know, we we you and I chatted on my other podcast, the Agile Brand, last year, talking a bit about AI's impact, but wanted to unpack things a little bit more. And you know, so to me. 
2023 was a big year of experimentation for a lot of organizations when it came to AI. You know, all, there's all the hype, there's all the new companies and platforms popping up as well as um, existing platforms adopting, whether it was Gen AI or other, other AI features. But um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how the hype around things like generative AI may have shaped the way that you and, and maybe other enterprise leaders are, are thinking about marketing technology success in 2024? I would say towards the end of 2023, all anybody could talk about was generative AI. Yeah. And it was a little hard for me personally to get my head around because I couldn't think beyond chat GPT and kind of open source generative AI. And then I learned about not having an open source, but focusing in on your own data in your own content and running the same process against that internal proprietary data. When we kind of tested out generative AI for say customer facing content and verbiage, it just wasn't really that great. It's really good at writing research papers, but it's not really great at kind of generating marketing material or customer facing communications. Yeah. But if you feed it, if you, if you keep the bounds within sort of what you've already got in your communications library, it actually works really well. And so I, I think where people are going is to start leveraging AI, like I said, as a process and then generative AI as a process, but within their own private controlled data and ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's like it's company specific. I've also, you know, there's there's some work in like domain specific, you know, like industry specific knowledge as well. And definitely, um, yeah, you know, I've like I said, I, I played around a lot with it. But, you know, when it came to client work and and things, there's still there definitely limitations if you just if it's an open ended um, kind of ask. So, you know, we're I'm seeing some pretty interesting let's call them enter, enterprise grade uh, gen <laughs> AI stuff coming out, which is, which is interesting. So, you know, from, from that perspective, then, you know, there's a lot of organizations looking at this stuff. I think, you know, whereas last year was a lot about experimentation, I think this year is going to be a little more about kind of reconciling and operationalizing what makes sense and maybe discarding some of the things that are, you know, purely hype perhaps, but, you know, where, where would you say that, you know, smart, B2B enterprise organizations should be in their AI maturity at this point to either at least keep pace or 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 pull ahead. You know, what are what are some of the characteristics that their AI data or related programs should have? So I think uh, the way to really start is so we kind of threw it was a little spaghetti against the wall. We kind of threw right. AI <laughs> problems and then you know waited to see what happened and um, what the improvements were. I think now, if we start to focus on the outcome, if we focus on the action that we want and the problem specifically, and then let AI kind of work that problem or work towards that outcome, the more data that you can give it, the better it will optimize the process or the path to that outcome or solving that problem. Companies right now, I think have to embrace AI. I don't think you can get away from it. I think now it is a must-have. Um, we talked about agility before, and 
AI is the ultimate platform and tool for that kind of agility. So kind of if I were looking at a crystal ball and looking at the future, I would say companies are going to have to come up with novel uses of AI. And because I, I sort of view AI, again, as a process or a way to do work, to, to be agile, to apply against uh, different problems, I think we're going to see really novel uses come out of that. And the way we look at it right now, I think, is very naive. I think we look at AI and we think, oh, it's kind of cool. It just does things faster. I think we're going to find that as we begin to leverage it more and more in different ways and even, even layer AI and machine learning on top of AI and machine learning, and we have these microservices and maybe decisioning at the edge and democratizing some of this um, decisioning across different places of the enterprise, I think we'll be surprised at what kind of evolves from that and and blooms from that. Yeah. Yeah. And so along, along those lines, um, I mean, you met, you just mentioned a a few really interesting things, but you know, what, what are you most excited about for this year? You know, are there, even other technologies or other opportunities that you think are, you know, either ready for prime time or at least ready for some experimentation? I would say the augmented experience of the employee. That's what I'm really excited Mm. about. We as humans tend to think that the only way humans can do deal with other humans is face-to-face, one-on-one active listening, like the things that we were talking before about building trust what I think I, I would like to see, and I think it's coming, is that augmented reality so that when I'm having a conversation with you, there's a natural language processing, listening to what I'm saying and recommending new things to talk about. And mm-hmm. I think we'll find that, you know, that's our brave new world. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, that'd be, that'd be interesting for, uh, for my interviews here. Even so good, good, good idea. Interesting. Huh? That's awesome. Well, um, Tommy, thanks so much for joining the show. One last question before we wrap up here, given a lot of great insight and, and advice already, but, you know, going back to the, the topic of agility, you know, what's one recommendation you'd have for B2B marketers to stay agile in the months ahead? I would say, look at the thing that, keeps you up at night. What is your biggest pain point? And what's the technology solution that you could apply to that pain point that would help you focus on the customer, that would help you focus on the employee experience, that would help you focus on the next big thing? I would recommend that you that companies really look at their technology stack and allow that technology stack to alleviate their biggest pain points. Yeah, that's great. Love it. Well, again, I'd like to thank Tommy Marsans, Associate Director of Marketing Technology Strategy at Verizon Business Group for joining the show. You can learn more about Tommy and Verizon Business Group by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the B2B Agility Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.b2bagility.com. That's b2bagility.com. While you're there, check out my series of best-selling agile brand guides covering a wide variety of marketing technology topics, 
or you can search for Greg Kilstrom on Amazon. Until next time, stay focused and stay agile. The Agile Brand.